Welcome to the Bishop Strickland Hour. My name is Terry Barber. I'm with Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Every week I have the opportunity to chat with the good bishop about our Catholic faith using the Catechism of the Catholic Church. We also talk about his tweets that he sends out each day. And uh, we want to talk a little bit about the issues that are going on in our church and in our world and show the beauty of our Catholic faith. Bishop Strickland, welcome back to our full, for your, your Bishop Strickland hour. Thanks for taking the time again to share the gospel with us. Great, Terry. Thank you. We're so happy to have you. Bishop Strickland, <clears throat> something that happened this past week that made me think of you. I know we're talking about pro-life all the time, and you talked about states and cities in Texas <clears throat> that are making it uh, so that abortion isn't legal in certain cities like Lubbock, Texas and other cities, one after another. Well, the Supreme Court has decided on a Mississippi 15-week abortion ban to to examine this, and this could turn to making each state decide on whether abortion is legal, and eventually it even could overturn the Roe versus Wade. Um, I know you know about this, but I just wanted to get your take as a bishop. You know, this is uh, the, the... America, the Supreme Court is going to actually take a look at something we've been after for, I think, since 1992 to look at seeing if these privacy laws are really legitimate. And uh, I'm excited about it. What's your take on all this? Yeah, I really like the approach because it's from the grassroots up. It's starting with subsidiarity, starting locally. Amen. And just saying this community says no. Yep. to killing unborn children. And that, I think, is a good way to do it. We've been for years trying to, you know, have laws changed or, or I mean, and it really is always about changing hearts. Amen. But the laws do need to reflect Christian hearts that say no to taking innocent life and especially the life of the unborn. So I certainly approach it and I think it's a it's a different approach than we've we've had um, in in recent years, and so I think it's worth pursuing. And the more communities that can, as a community, say, "Not in our town," men, unborn children are protected in our town, and if that becomes counties and then states, um, then all the better uh, because. Really, as I, we've talked about it before, I mention it all the time, but I think we need to mention it because we're speaking for thousands every day who never get a chance to speak. So, yeah, it becomes a bit of a broken record, but with all the things going on, I was just talking to someone today and the, the scientific research that is quickly developing and they're pushing more and more regarding, you know, not treating human embryos yeah. as human. Right. Um, and it's just, it's a path that I believe humanity needs to wake up and realize we better stop playing God or it's going to lead to our destruction. You know, that last statement you just said, a big amen to that. And that's why... 
here at Virgin Most Powerful Radio. We want to know the truth because that's what sets us free. Now, Bishop Strickland, to follow up on that, uh, we got an article about a girl named Monica Kelsey. She started these safe haven, safe haven baby boxes. Now, years ago, we did a story about a Protestant minister in South Korea doing this very thing. What he does is he opts, gives people an option to deliver their unwanted baby to them in this box, which generates a notice to the um, fire department, which will actually bring paramedics to take care of that baby. And they have a system where parents who are wanting to adopt children will be contacted and that baby will be able to go into a, a home with a mother and a father. And I want to commend Monica because this is a woman, Bishop Strickland, who actually was conceived in a rape and abandoned at birth herself. Okay, so she's, you know, she's an example of how precious life is. And we're right now raising $10,000 to get that system set up here at our Sacred Heart Chapel at the rectory. And we're going to offer babies, people to say, no questions asked. You deliver the baby. You you don't want the baby. We'll find a home for your baby. And uh, she's already in 70 locations already so babies are being saved. She's in Indiana, Ohio, Florida, Arkansas. And I hope she comes to Texas also, because this is a great way to reach out for life. And I just want to give her kudos. And I'm hoping and praying, think about this. Monica herself was conceived through rape. How many people would say, you know what? Why have that mother deliver that baby? I mean, she was abused. Yes. Aren't we forgetting someone? Monica, by name. And I just yep. think that this is the kind of thing that we need to be doing as as Christians. And, you know, Catholics and Protestants are joining arms on this pro-life effort, which I think is, my humble opinion, one of the great ecumenical movements in the Church, because it needs to be done. We need to defend life at every stage. All right, Bishop Strickland, I had to give that plug to that group, because I really like what they're doing. Uh, next question, next comment, is that you're doing your tweets. You have a tweet about who, someone that I know quite well. I was at his funeral, Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen. And uh, I read the article too, and it's just funny that you would put it in because I talked about this on the radio. Where have you gone, Bishop Sheen? Uh, and I know Dr. Uh, Donald DeMarco quite well, and he's a smart man, but he's saying that we're confronting similar issues that Bishop Sheen have confronted when he was uh, you know, a bishop in America. And so I want to ask you, Bishop Strickland, as a bishop, do you get inspiration out of reading or seeing things about Fulton Sheen as, as a bishop yourself? Because he was a bishop. I do, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And uh, as we've said many times before, yeah. he's even though he's speaking many years ago, he's, it's as if he's speaking to the situation today. Yeah. Just a quick uh, plug. We started a YouTube channel. We were kicked off YouTube because of things. Oh, I'll give Bishop Strickland one of the honors, folks. You're going to like this. He did a um, a talk where we were doing the Ten Commandments, and one of the talks was Thou Shall Not Commit Adultery, the Sixth Commandment, and we got notice from YouTube saying that that offended the audience, strike one. So thank you, Bishop Strickland, because I don't mind going down for telling the truth, and we can't compromise on the commandments. So thank you. Yeah. And, and, and what I wanted to mention is we started a new channel on YouTube called Full Sheen Ahead. As those who don't know what that means is on the Terry and Jesse show, we have a section of every day taking a quote from Fulton Sheen. 
and then talking about it. So that now is on YouTube until they take that off. But at least we have that on. My next comment to you, Bishop Strickland, is you, uh, you actually tweeted something from someone who I really respect, Abraham Lincoln. I went to his uh, house. I took all my kids there years ago, and we, we had to write reports on Abraham Lincoln. So uh, when I saw your quote, it says, Sir, my concern is not whether God is on our side. My greatest concern is to be on God's side, for God is always right. I thought, well said. It seems to me, Bishop Strickland, you tweeted that. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but nothing's changed about that. We, we don't want to be on the Democratic or, or Republican side. That's politics. We want to be on God's side. Is, is that the reason you quoted that, or am I putting words in your mouth? No, that's exactly the reason, because God is truth. Mm. God is love. And, you know, to, to say, is God on our side, our obligation is to be on God's side. And uh, so it, that, that was actually a, a bumper sticker that I saw <laughs> when I was traveling. And I just said, I took a picture of it and, and sent it out as a tweet because we need to remember that. Um, whatever, whether it's a matter of politics or whatever it is, it, we need to be on the side of truth and God is truth incarnate in his son. I mean, God is truth, truth and love and beauty. All that is good comes from God. And so, and it's, it's really interesting, uh, today, Mm -hmm. Terry, we had a, we were blessed to have a clergy gathering, mm-hmm. the first one we've had with everyone in oh, person. Got to hear it since uh, since COVID, and yeah. over sixty priests attended. A good showing, and yeah. we had an excellent presentation. And um, it it just as I was listening, we were talking about the the plague of pornography. Oh yeah, and uh, sexual addictions yeah. and all the things that people are plagued with. If we listen to the truth that just comes from natural law, mm-hmm. and on top of that, and enhancing that, the revealed truth through Scripture, through all that God has revealed to us, and through His own divine Son, it all fits together. Whether it's scientists going off on these tangents where they're denigrating the value of human life, or it's politicians, or whatever it is, if we listen to God, I mean, even talking about the very personal and intimate aspects of our lives with how do we deal with sexuality, and when we listen to God and listen to his son, it just helps us to to live a better life in every aspect. And it's just tragic that in our time, so many people scoff at God call call us names for being believers i mean you know you you i'm sure you since you look at my tweets you probably see some of the comments and you know people just attack (laughs) because i've said something about the word of god and that's why we love you bishop strickland more with bishop strickland when we come back stay with us Welcome back to the Bishop Strickland Hour. 
I've been reading a book, Bishop Strickland, by Cardinal George Pell, his prison journal, volume two. And I think this is something you might want to tweet. On page 170, Cardinal Pell is quoting Pope Benedict XVI on truth. Because you constantly on this show talk about what is the truth? And he says, without truth, without trust and love for what is true, there is no social conscience and responsibility. And social action ends up serving the private interests and the logic of power. Here's the line that really touched me, Bishop Strickland, from the Cardinal. He said, fidelity from, yeah, I should say from Pope Benedict XVI, fidelity to truth alone is the guarantee of freedom. I'll repeat that. Fidelity to truth alone is the guarantee of freedom. Do you think that needs to be promoted in our culture today, Bishop Strickland? Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, I get this feeling that, you know, what I'm seeing, feeling, yeah, is with the cancel culture that we are dealing with, where people are not living in reality. And I think that um, one of the things Father Charles Murr talked about on the Terry and Jesse show is he was talking about how we have to um, use our, our common sense and reason when it comes to things in our country rather than pretending to play a fake, you know, like we're, we're just like kids. And his comment was that with the culture using drugs so much that alter the mind, he thinks that there's a connection with people like he had an attorney friend in San Francisco. He said, everybody in our office is high on some kind of drug, like, you know, not marijuana. We're talking cocaine, mind altering things. And he said that he thinks that that his whole uh, critical race theory and all these crazy things about you're not a man, you're a woman because you want to be a woman is a lot of it is coming from a culture that's using mind altering drugs to think that. I can be whoever I want to be and not live in reality and live in like a play, like you're a little seven-year-old kid pretending that you're a cowboy and you're shooting the bad guys. And I think he's on to something. What are you, what's your take about Father's insight onto the culture? I, I agree, and it's interesting. It ties in with the, uh, the pre-study day that we had today talking about addictions of all different kinds. Mm-hmm. Um, and one thing I learned a few years ago Tell me. that— any addiction alters brain chemistry. Yep, yep, yep. I mean, as a kid growing up, hearing about drug addictions, thankfully, I never had any interest, never had any money for it. So Amen. it was something that I was spared. But thank you, Jesus. What's What's interesting is that science science has found out um, the word that was used today that I've heard before is that the brain is plastic. Mm. meaning it's it can be shaped, it can wow. be changed, it can be altered. And I think there is something there that when, um, especially sinful behaviors yeah. um, like pornography or other sexual sins that are habitual, um, when that becomes addictive behavior, it's basically the same chemical thing that's going on in the brain that an outside substance introduced, like heroin, yeah. um, that addiction alters the brain. The brain is altered by hormones that you know create these chemical reactions because of maybe uh, sexual excitement or whatever's going on. Yeah. And 
I think that there are some real threads there that we need to pay attention to. And it really, Terry, to me, it brings us back to the wonder of God's creation. Oh, yeah. And really, addiction of any kind is another way of messing up that creation. Mm. God has given us body, mind, and spirit. God has given us a, a, a being created in his in, image and likeness and using our free will to alter that in all kinds of different ways. I mean, some of the, you know, sex change and all of that, yeah. I mean, it's something fairly recent. But as the presentation today reminded us, the idea of addiction of one kind or another is is as old as humanity. Um, it may have just been chewing on some kind of berries that they found that created hallucinogenic sort of without even knowing that word that it was. But the mind altering is not something brand new, but the more ability we have to manipulate our world through science and through chemistry and through all the different ways that we can manipulate the world. And when, just as you quoted Pope Benedict XVI, when we lose truth, yeah. then we think we're more free, but actually we become less and less free and less and less human, yeah. less and less beings created in the image and likeness of God, because a lot of that truth and freedom connection is what makes us human, to know the truth. I mean, it goes all the way back to Adam and Eve in Genesis, where they really diminish their humanity, their image and likeness of God, because they think they're freely choosing. And we just repeat that over and over again. Every one of us as sinners, we repeat that same pattern of manipulating our world according to our image, rather than following God's pattern that ultimately leads to flourishing in this life and eternal life with God. That's our destiny. So I think it is all woven together. And as science is used in so many ways that are harmful, um, we need to encourage science being used to say, hey, there's a connection here, even with the morality that the church speaks of that's been revealed to us by God. It's wrong to kill an innocent human being, whether in the womb or anywhere from conception to natural death. Um, we really need to pay attention to that because when we step away, to whatever degree, we're stepping away from the plan of God. And the further we step, the more drastic it becomes. And really, that is the definition of our time. Yeah. We've walked away from God. Amen. We've walked away from God's plan, and we're wandering into this crazy world that doesn't make sense and changes from one moment to the next because it's not rooted in anything. So we need to wake up. Well said. I was getting excited listening to that little uh, statement there because I, I think out loud here with you, Bishop Strickland, I'm listening and going, it's all about feelings today in our culture. It's what do I feel is what's important to me. And it seems like the old set statement that says the emperor has no clothes on, the little boy could tell nobody had clothes on, but nobody wanted to say that. And I think I just did a, um, there's a, a survey 
80% of the people who think the cancel culture is wrong will not speak up. They're going to be quiet. And um, I read a quote from Fulton Sheen about taking sides on a moral issue and that we can't be silent. And I would ask you as a bishop, as the flock, wouldn't you encourage your followers and your diocese, I'd permit it on the radio, that we can't be silent about this. We have to say, stop living in, in a fake world because it's not true that you're a woman because you say you're a woman. Reality sets in that you are a man. And, it, and science has proven that. And I'm willing to share that because I want you to know the truth. And if it means that we might lose a friendship or I might be persecuted, it seems to me, Bishop Strickland, that it's time to stop being silent about what's going on in our culture and bring back Christian roots of what we call the perennial teachings of Christianity, which are why we're here and where we're going, the ultimate end of man. I mean, that's my take. Maybe I'm over the top, but I think people are looking for a reason and they're looking in all the wrong places. Absolutely. And what what you're saying brings to mind for me that we, when we determine that, I mean, because people have all kinds of struggles and we certainly, I mean, Christ is constantly in his ministry. Oh, yeah. Reaching out to those who are outcast, those who are ill, those who have been um, or being attacked. I mean, being stoned to death or threatened with that because of what they've done. Christ is always there sort of in the breach. But in the culture we have now, people can. I mean, what's promoted is the idea that if you decide something for yourself, yeah. then we have to honor that. Yeah. And you're considered bigoted and and thoughtless and unfeeling if you don't speak up and say, no, you can't just decide that you're something other than God made you to be. And it I think that what we what we have to encourage people to do is not to abandon them or to attack them in any way. If they're having those, like they talk about gender dysphoria feelings, yeah. Yeah. if they're having that, to to be there for them Amen. and to encourage them to come to the truth. Yeah. But where we are now, what the culture is saying, well, let them you know, just express themselves as they see themselves. And that is a is a path not to greater life and greater freedom, but it's a path of destruction. I mean, that's just, it doesn't work long term no. is the problem. And real compassion is, is not rejecting people, not being, I mean, that's not Christ, not to reject them, but to call them to the truth and to say, just like in the presentation that we heard today, let ask yourself what's causing you to have these feelings rather than just going with the feelings. Say, what what can I do to... And it, it comes to the idea of objective truth. If we know the objective truth is our firmest foundation for living our human life, what is real, what is true, I'm presently sitting in a chair in an office yep. in Tyler, Texas. That is concrete, objective reality. If if we depart from that, I mean, it, it sounds silly to say, well, 
I've decided I'm riding a bus in Cleveland, Ohio. <laughs> but it's as much really if we if we sort of allow ourselves to just think it through, it makes as much sense to say to decide that I'm different than what God made me or you know to make any of these subjective decisions that change our basic reality. It's I mean if I sat here and told you, Terry, I'm not sitting in an office in Tyler, Texas. I'm in a bus in Cleveland, Ohio. You'd say, Bishop, uh, maybe you need to see a doctor. Maybe you need some help. But instead of saying that in our present culture, we're saying, well, enjoy your bus ride and we'll be very nice to you and wave to you on the bus. And what color is the bus? I mean, it's, it's insanity. It is. But we're living in a culture where it's like, well, If you want to say that, then it's bigoted to say that you're not on a bus. I mean, it's just, that's as as insane as as things are. You nailed it, Bishop Strickland. Let's get to the Catechism of the Catholic Church when we come back. Stay with us. Welcome back to the Bishop Strickland Hour. I call it, uh, he, Bishop Strickland's got a PhD in common sense, and common sense ain't that, is not that common. Bishop Strickland, your last comments, you just nailed it. It's, you know, put our feet on the ground, know our meaning and purpose of life. And I can't think of a better thing you can do right now other than saying Mass and hearing confessions and teaching people here on the Catholic Radio about the Catechism of the Catholic Church, which teaches them about the meaning and purpose of life. Without that, people are going to be going anywhere and everywhere without having rooted their lives in Christ. So we've been going through the Catechism, and folks, we did the Ten Commandments. You can always get that on podcast by going to virginmostpowerfulradio.org and looking under all the shows with Bishop Strickland. Right now, we're on paragraph 162. So if you have a Catechism, and you can look that up, um, that would be important because... I know for my own life what catechisms have done for me as a young man. I'll tell you, just uh, as a witness, I got the Penny Catechism from Catholic Mm -hmm. Truth International in London, England, when I was a teenager, and I got so excited. I like my Baltimore Catechism that I had when I was a child, but the Penny Catechism could fit in your pocket, and I remember my paper route money or lawn mowing money. I, I did something crazy. I bought like hundreds of copies of these Penny Catechism and I would give them to my friends and say, "Guys, this is where it's at. You got to know the meaning. You got to know the meaning and purpose of." Life. I should have known you're a weird kid. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But in between playing ball, I would do that, Bishop Strickland. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and and you know, that's great. Well, Bishop Strickland, I, uh, as a young man, I wasn't even afraid to share that because I was so confident among myself because my parents told me you know, that I that I was, you know, made in the image and likeness of God. So that confidence built into me that I didn't care if people thought I was weird, you know, because I wanted people to know the truth. And so that penny catechism, I still get it out. And when I was involved with founding Lighthouse Catholic Media, we still send that out today through Lighthouse Catholic Media because we connected, we flew those people out from London to do a contract with Lighthouse. So, I mean, the catechism is essential. I think every person listening right now, if you don't have a catechism, call me and I'll get you one at 877-526-2151. 
But we're on paragraph 162. And this is about perseverance and faith. Faith is a, is a gift from God. Let's just be honest. It says here, faith is an entirely free gift from God makes to man. We can lose this precious or priceless gift. As St. Paul indicated to St. Timothy, wage the good warfare holding faith and a good conscience. By rejecting conscience, certain persons have made a shipwreck of their life. And we call it, you know, we call it an informed conscience. People have misformed consciences and they do make shipwrecks of their life. I'm sorry, I'm giving commentary. I should just keep reading, Bishop, sorry. But it, it touched me. To live, to live, grow, and persevere in faith until the end, here it is, we must nourish it with the word of God. We must beg the Lord to increase our faith. It must be working through charity, abounding in hope and rooted in the faith of the church. Man, that, that paragraph got me fired up, Bishop Strickland. What's your thoughts on it? Well, absolutely. And I, I think it touches on some very important points that kind of get debated today, even within the church, yeah. is that idea of final perseverance. Yeah. To me, that zeroes in on where the real mercy of God is. Mm. God gives us the chance to return to faith, yeah. to give us I mean, we're both here. We don't know if we're here tomorrow, nope. but we're here today. Amen. And we have the ability to choose to turn from sin and to live the truth of Jesus Christ as fully as we can. Final perseverance means we stay on that path until this life ends and we hopefully go to the next life, probably with some purgatory that's a mystery we don't know exactly how that works, but I don't, I mean, I, I work at being as sinless as possible, but it's still a, a work in progress, definitely a work in progress. Um, but the idea of persevering is something that I think we need to really pay attention to because we've talked before as we visited about the idea of is the path to heaven wide or is it narrow? And I think this gets down to that it is a narrow path for me and for you Amen. in our very basic choices that we make every day. Persevering in faith is, is not taking it for granted. And as the, the catechism says, nurturing it with the word of God, nurturing it through prayer, saying that prayer, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief that I'm sure both of us say at times. Um, but I think it comes back to something that's been pointed out to me and I've read in, in various writings of saints is the idea that knowing Jesus means embracing the fullness of his message, even those parts that may be a little prickly for each of us. I mean, all of us have what I would call our zone of temptation and sin. There may be things that are very tempting and lead you to sin that, that don't affect me, but I have my own, you have your own. Amen. Persevering in faith is, is trying to live the fullness of Christ. And what's been pointed out that I think is something we really need to pay attention to is if we are 
consciously yeah. denying aspects of what Christ teaches. Just a, a classic example, and I've heard many, many people very active in the church mm -hmm. uh, through the years. I mean, the and what comes to mind for me is the whole idea that contraception is immoral, that it is not, it is, it is disordered. It is not God's plan for even a, uh, a faithful married couple married in the church, but that openness to children is, is the, the idea that contraception interferes with. We, we've lived through a lifetime we were both, I was 10 years old when Humane Vitae came out. You were 11. a bit older, yep, 11. but not much, maybe 10. Yep. Um, and the world in many ways, and many Catholics, many Catholic bishops rejected what Pope Paul VI taught. And, and I just use that as an example of saying, if we live our lives and say, Oh yes, I embrace the message of Jesus Christ, but uh-uh, not that. That's what we have to be very cautious about, I believe, because in a sense, in my own experience of my struggle with sin, it's it's always that issue that we're if we're acknowledging that we're sinning, and that's where I think we we in this age we even if we don't buy into all the subjectivity that pervades things, if we're saying, well, in this area, I just disagree with what the church teaches and that I don't consider it a sin. If we find ourselves saying that, if something the catechism says is sinful behavior and we have maybe even with the advice of a priest or things that we've read if we've said, well, for me, that's not a sin, I would put up a real big caution light and say, pray about that, re-examine that, because if we're, if, I mean, there, there's some pride there. there, there are lots of things woven into it, but I think that's a basic area that we need to be very cautious about in the modern world, because even many Catholics, we talk about cafeteria Catholics, but the idea that you can kind of pick and choose and say, oh, the church is antiquated on that idea. One day the church will catch up. What we have to believe, if we believe in the Catholic church, if we believe in this catechism, is what we've talked about before, the deposit of faith. The deposit of faith is there. It's not like well, God told us most of it, and he's going to reveal later the rest of what it means to live in, in his image and likeness. The deposit of faith is basically a person, <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> he is the incarnate, the incarnation of the deposit of faith. He says, love your neighbor, but he also says, if you love me, you will live my commandments. So it all has to fit together. And in modern times, I think the tendency is if we're helping the poor and reaching out to those in need, then, you know, maybe it's the sexual morality we don't really buy into or whatever. It's the whole picture. And is that a challenge to live? Absolutely. It's 
it it seems impossible. Even Christ says, acknowledges, it feels impossible, but what is impossible for us is possible for God. For God, all things are possible. And I think in a lot of ways, that's what Christ is talking about, that when we face something that seems insurmountable, and it's easy to give up and say, well, that's just me. That's just how God made me. This is this is something I'm never going to overcome. In, in an interesting way, I think that's where the real sin is, is because in a prideful way, we may not feel prideful, but it's a prideful sin, I believe, that says, I'm placing myself outside the mercy of God because I've decided I can't be converted in that area, in that aspect of my life. Maybe it's a gambling addiction. Maybe it's a substance abuse addiction. Maybe it's a sexual addiction. Maybe it's a power addiction of how I treat people at work. And, you know, I mean, it can take a lot of different forms. But if we've sort of walled off an aspect of our life and said, that's outside God's purview, then we're walking down a dangerous path. Bishop Strickland, Clarity with Charity, you just gave about five minutes of uh, uh, (laughs) advice to every person, including myself, to have that informed conscience of the perennial teachings of the church. You get that through the catechism, and I would just encourage people to send that to their friends. That would be a great act of charity. Stay with us. There will be more with the Bishop Strickland Hour. Welcome back to the Bishop Strickland Hour. I'd like to ask all of our listeners to pray for Bishop Strickland right now and all the time, because here's a bishop who's just telling it like it is in very ordinary language. There's no ambiguity, and it's refreshing as a layman. I'm listening on the other side of this mic going, it's about time. And I don't mean to be critical of other your brother bishops, but we need that because I know Bishop Strickland speaking the way you are and straightforwardness it's got to irritate, I'll just be honest with you, people in the medical fields, uh, people are even in our own church, they're uncomfortable. I was um, in Central California over the weekend at a Walmart shopping with my son and his wife and baby, and someone came up to me, they recognized my voice, and they said, Terry, I got a message for you. What is it? For Bishop Strickland. I said, oh, that's my favorite show. She said, he inspires me because I, I want to hear from my shepherds the perennial teachings of the church, and I don't want their personal opinion. And I thought, well, okay, I'll remember to give that message, so I might as well do it on the air, because Bishop Strickland, let's be honest, we're living in a politically correct world right now, and for anyone, including bishops and priests and laymen, to speak up for the truth is just not uh, socially acceptable. And for you to come on every week to take the catechism of the Catholic Church, it's like, this guy's been built to do this, to teach, govern, and sanctify. He's, he's responding. You're responding to your call as a bishop to teach us the meaning and purpose of life. Okay, I'm done, but I had to say that because that's what I'm hearing from you. Nothing personal, Bishop Strickland. I just, you're just giving what Christ has taught for 2,000 years on these topics, so thank you. Let's continue. Now, I know you got a big head over that, but it shouldn't because any good that you do comes from God, and you thank him for it, I'm sure. 
All right, Bishop Strickland, let's move on to the next paragraph. Paragraph 163, Faith, Beginning of Eternal Life. This is exciting, folks. We're talking about supernatural things in life. Faith makes us taste in advance the light of the beatific vision. You need to explain what that is. The goal of our journey here below, then we shall see God face to face as he is. So faith is already the beginning of eternal life. Does that stoke your fires? It stokes mine. So go ahead and explain what this beatific vision is also, Bishop Strickland. Hang on one second, Bishop Strickland. We've got an engineer issue. Now go ahead. Say your response. Yes. The beatific vision is simply being in the fullness of the presence of God. And it's clear that we couldn't handle it. <laughs> we, uh, in this, in, in our present life, we, we just can't handle it, but it's beautiful the way it says faith makes us taste and advance the light of the beatific vision to get a glimpse that really what I'm sure for both of us, mm -hmm. it calls to mind the Eucharistic liturgy. Exactly. That's exactly yep. what the church teaches us. The Eucharistic liturgy, yep. celebrating the Word of God and celebrating at the altar, bread and wine becoming the body and blood of Christ in this ancient sacrifice that is the memorial of the sacrifice. And it's it's such a concept that um, it's hard for us in modern terms to wrap our brain around it because it it's beyond. Mm -hmm. It really is. Even as we contemplate it, it is a taste of the beatific vision, and because of that, it's indescribable. It's it's a it's a mystery. It is not something we can measure and calculate and contain. Um, and that's beautiful because it is a doorway to something beyond, something deeper, a light beyond lights that we need. We hunger for that as human beings. Our hearts are restless until they rest in God, the same famous St. Augustine quote. That's what this is really talking about. That's what St. Augustine is speaking of, what the, the Catechism, paragraph 163, that's exactly what he's talking about. And when we recognize that the Eucharistic liturgy is the epicenter of, of this faith making us taste in advance the light of the beatific vision. That's how we need to approach every Mass. Amen. I know you go to daily Mass. I celebrate daily Mass. And as a priest, I need to constantly remind myself what an awesome gift and responsibility it is to stand at that altar, to take bread and wine, and to use the words of Jesus Christ. And, you know, some of the saints talk about a glimpse of the beatific vision, even as in, in gazing on the consecrated host, in celebrating Mass. There are many of the saints that have those kind of mystical experiences. I can't claim ever having had what would truly be described as a mystical experience. But one, people have asked me before, you know, what's a, a really memorable 
celebration of Mass, the Eucharistic liturgy. And I have to say, what comes to mind for me, mm-hmm. and again, it wasn't mystical, it's not something, but it was just thinking about where I was, because I had the chance to celebrate Mass at the altar there in Jerusalem wow. over the Holy Sepulchre, wow. which if you've ever been there, it's really, you have to kind of crawl in, mm-hmm. and me and the deacon were all the only people that could fit in there. <laughs> But to celebrate Mass at that place, built over, I mean, in the floor is a stone that is the marker for where Christ was laid in the tomb. Mm. I mean, if that doesn't give you a, a taste of the beatific vision, nothing will. And again, it wasn't a mystical experience for me, but because I believe and being in that place and even though people say, oh, well, there's no proof that that was the actual spot and all of those things. But to just know that in a place on this planet, at a moment, <laughs> the Son of God's dead body was laid there. And maybe it is a few feet off or, you know, miles off. But <clears throat> tradition says it was there. And that's good enough for me. And the, it really goes beyond the idea that it was actually in that point on the compass that could be, you know, with all the scientific measurements could be down to the millimeter at this point. We could measure it and say exactly at this spot, whether that's the case or not. But to know at exactly a spot is where the the, the dead body of the Son of God who then rose that's where it was. I'm getting a little carried off in this I love experience it. I love of mass it. I love at, the, it. at the tomb of Christ. Uh-huh. But that's what this is talking about. Faith is a little glimpse of that beatific vision of really what it me- means to be made in the image and likeness of God. Once we encounter him, we're going to finally realize what a glorious gift God has given all humanity. And that's why it is so sacred and so sanctified at every natural conception to natural death. And I've really, Terry, just recently, I've added that. I've heard, I heard a talk where the speaker said, we believe in life is sacred from natural conception to natural death. Amen. And I think that word natural on both ends is very significant because there are a lot of ways that children are being conceived in test tubes, in, you know, uh, an egg and a sperm or even other ways. Thing, or the human being is, is beginning in ways that science is manipulating. And I think we need to remember the, the sacredness of the person because from that moment of natural conception, when a man and a woman in marriage come together according to God's plan, and a child is conceived, then the the beginning of a new image and likeness of God is there. That's what we have to get back to as a culture, as a church, as a nation, all humanity. The further we walk down the road of ignoring that sanctity of life, the further we are from 
our own salvation and the closer we are to our own destruction. Wow. Wow. Bishop Strickland, it's a taste of heaven you were talking about. I have to tell you, uh, this is marking my 50th year that God has given me an opportunity to go to daily Mass. And I got to tell you, I'm just beginning to understand the Mass in a sense of the supernatural aspect of it. And what you just gave me and gave our listeners, I want to ask all of us, including myself, the next time you go to Mass— have a reality check. You're at, you're at present at that one eternal sacrifice at Calvary. And when you know that, and when you see that, and it, when you're at Mass, nothing can be boring. You're present there. And I think that if all Catholics understood what you just said for the last few minutes, their faith would come alive. They would be like uh, retroactive Catholics in the sense that we would say, wow, this is really happening. Now I know the meaning and purpose of life because I see it at the Mass, that i got to give myself to Christ, and he's giving himself back to me. What a great uh, reflection you had on that, Bishop Strickland. Hey, before we run out of time, i love to promote uh, your institute over at your website. Can you just give us—I've been watching some of the things there, and it's just like outstanding material for people to know about Jesus. Could you share a little bit about that? Yes, it's the St. Philip Institute, St. Philip 1L, stphilipinstitute.org. They do have some great resources. We have some great young people that are half my age, but very (laughs) learned, very devoted to the church and devoted to the truth. And they're joyful. They have young families and they are producing some great material to just help people. One great article in our online magazine, The Catholic East Texas, just recently talking about the importance of conscience. I'd encourage people to go to catholiceasttexas.online, and um, it just talks about the importance of conscience Mm -hmm. and how we are—we must—that's part of being in the likeness and image of God is making choices. We do it all the time. Yep. We have to, to do that with discernment and with a well-formed conscience. It, it's just critical stuff, and the St. Philip Institute's doing a great job. Awesome. Bishop Strickland, could you give us your blessing for our radio audience, please? May Almighty God bless all who are participating and listening to this in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I hope you enjoyed the show. You can listen to all the podcasts by going to vmpr.org. You can listen to all the different shows we produce. May God richly bless you until next week. This is Terry Barber for Virgin Most Powerful Radio. May God bless you and your family. See you again next week.